thank you. Welcome to another edition of the Dog or Pass podcast. This for UFC 240, Holloway versus Edgar from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Cody Saftik, my man, back here in studio. I missed you last week. I really missed you last week. I fucking suck. Yeah, you were, at hosting. I could tell you were really sour about it. It was really hard, man. I know, I know. Not only did you bring it up last week when I we had did the to. show. But I, I, knew, I knew when I finished it was fucking terrible. And you know what I'm thinking? Geez, he's hot. He'll cool down. I'll see him next week. It'll all be good. Very first thing you say to me when I walk in is you just start harping about it for another 10 minutes. I was like, I felt bad at one point. I wasn't making eye contact with you. I was like, Paul, I understand. You don't like it. So I'll be in studio and we'll be able to break it down live. Normally, normally I'm salivating right now. I'm rubbing my hands together. We got a Canadian card. This is where we make money. However, they really haven't stacked it up with a whole lot of Canadian talent. And the odds are kind of steamed in some of these fights. So going to be tough to make some money, but I'm confident that we will be able to do so. Yeah, the problem with this card is that like there's like the main event and like the co-main event. And then there's like a couple other fights scattered in there that you're interested in. But it's not like there isn't like the Duho Choi versus Cub Swanson that happened in UFC Toronto. And... A bunch of other like exciting. Usually, there's like non-local guys that end up on UFC cards, and and it's pretty exciting. This doesn't have really very much of that at all. Yeah, it's strange. Well, I mean, they've got so many cards; they got to spread the talent thin. Next UFC's pay per view, two forty one. That's a loaded card. So unfortunately, this is going to be one of the ones that fall by the wayside. I honestly feel like when you think about it, this main event is a great main event between two of the sports' greatest, most legendary fighters, both Hall of Famers. If you look at the featherweight division, Max Holloway, he's the king. He's the man. Why is he? Why are we not hyping it more? Well, he just got toasted out by Dustin Poirier. Okay, fair enough. Well, what about Frankie? Frankie's one of the best fighters of all time, man. 145, former 155-pound champ. Why are we not more psyched to see Frankie? Well, nobody really thought he deserved this title shot, A. And B, he's been off for uh, 16 months, I believe, on the sidelines. A guy that's 37 years old now, has been battling some injuries. Yeah, yeah. It's just not as hyped as it should be. And if that's your main attraction, your co-feature, we got Cyborg, guys. We can break Jeez, down the she's just in a com- bit. She's just coming off that loss. So you know what I mean? It's like this is, a sh- this is a card that at their best, some good fighters and some good fights on this card. But it's just not as appealing because recent history is uh, creating a bias that mm, maybe these fighters aren't uh, what we once believed they were. Yeah, I I guess what you can say though is that uh Zabit versus Ortega was like rumored to be on this, yeah, but that would have been fun. That, that been one fun. fizzled. That would help. Out. That would help. A lot of fizzled bouts with uh with with uh, Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Uh can only imagine that it probably has to do with his management. But that's neither here nor there. I don't want to get attacked on social media by that guy of all people. Anyway, uh if you want to get into a dr- or last week's winner, there was a winner out of all of it. Uh, it was Stardate. Congratulations to again. Stardate. S-T-A-R-D-A-T-E, I believe. D-A-T-E. Don't shoot the messenger. Stardate, Stardate. Yeah, okay, okay. Don't shoot the messenger. I just get I get these. I get an email from Mayo every single week. It says the winner, and I just relay it to the peoples. Um, so, yeah, they won uh, 20 DK dollars. Should be in your account right now. If it isn't, it's coming. Um, this week, what you got to do is one, give the episode a like. Number two, leave your DraftKings handle. Number three, who is the best 
active Canadian fighter. George St. Pierre does not count. I know that maybe he could come back or something like that, but no, he doesn't count. This is actually a really, really tough question. Very because you know what? Question. If Felicia Spencer beats Cyborg, that, that's she's the number then one. That's, then that's the answer. Yeah, Nobody yeah, knew who she was. People don't know who she is until even tomorrow or in, until the weekend. For a long honest. time, it was an easy question. Who's the greatest Canadian fighter? George St. Pierre. But we had a little plan B stashed away. Don't you worry, guys. Once George leaves, we got Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald's going to be around for a long time. He's going to be kick ass. This is like, oh, man, he fights for Bellator now? Yeah. Oh, and he's just very uninspired. Oh, and that Musasi beating was just god-awful. Probably shouldn't have moved up that weight class. He's still the answer. If we're talking greatest Canadian fighter actively, it's still Roy McDonald. However, we're talking greatest UFC fighter currently competing, and I agree with you. If Felicia Spencer wins, that, that would be my answer. Crazy enough. All right. So, yeah. Well, DraftKings handle your favorite – or, sorry, uh, the best – who you consider the best active – Canadian UFC fighter, DK Handel, and uh, give the episode a like. You can win all the bucks. Well, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Hey. All the 20 better bucks. Better than no you bucks. You get all of the 20 bucks, at least. It's better than no bucks. Anyway, let's get to the main event. We have Max Blessed Holloway taking on Frankie the Answer Edgar. Holloway is 9,400 DraftKings minus 400 favor. Frankie is 6,800 and plus 325. Um, I see like the early people who kind of jumped on the line. There's a lot of parlays with, with, uh, with Max Holloway. It seems like as time's going on, maybe I'm just in some sort of Twitter echo chamber. It seems like a lot of people are going to Frankie Edgar here. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised by it. I haven't seen Frankie Edgar look like what I think is good since the Yair Rodriguez fight. And that was 2017. Yeah. Uh, he got knocked out by Brian Ortega. Then against Cub Swanson, it's like he won and he clearly won and he was all over him. But like Cub was kind of already washed, in my opinion, at least from an elite standpoint sure, sure. at that point. And I don't know. I think, Frankie, the things that are that he's good at, uh, the speed and, and uh, footwork and stuff like that, like all of those types of things are starting to maybe slow down. He's starting to slow down, in my opinion quite a bit and it's five round fight it's max i know max is fresh off of uh beating three months ago at the hands of dustin poirier he was giving up a lot of size i picked poirier as a outright uh, underdog in that fight just because i thought that the size was going to matter it's like the amount of power that was getting taken or that was getting unleashed from poirier as opposed to what holloway was able to do i knew that i figured that poirier would be able to walk through his punches and sure enough, that's exactly what he did. Yeah. Nothing that Max does. When Max is a master of it at 145 pounds, where it's just it's just so much volume, and I guess his power translates there. At 155, it was doing nothing to Dustin Poirier. So Poirier was able to walk it down and just basically just put an un, unyielding beating on him. It's a little bit quick turnaround considering the amount of damage that Max Holloway yeah, took. Yeah. But Max Holloway, five-round fights, 9,400 on DraftKings. Just like, I don't know, we're, we're one fight removed from him, like, absolutely breaking the DraftKings scoring system with, like, 300 significant strikes. That was the UFC Toronto card. And I, I, I up top, by far, Max Holloway. Is the guy I want to play on DraftKings. I I still don't even mind parlaying him. I think 
I know Frankie has technically a longer reach than Max Holloway, but Holloway is so good at punching literally at the end of every single inch. So I like Holloway. I like Holloway a lot. Um, I kind of think Frankie has to finish him. And Frankie, I know he, like, what, Chad Mendez? It's the last time he had, like, a devastating finish yeah, like also, that. Like, also, think about the kind of punishment that Holloway took against Dustin Poirier. Like, exactly. Frank, can Frankie dish out that kind of punishment? I don't know, man. That's what I'm I thinking. Don't know. Like, I'm, I like Holloway quite a bit here. Like, I'm, I don't know if you're on the other side here, but I think Frankie, it's, he's a legend, good on him, everything like that. But I, I, I think, I, I think at, it's a younger man's game and, and, you know, Holloway's 27 years old. It seems crazy to think that he's only 27 years old with the amount of experience and everything that we've seen from him. But he's still right in his prime, whereas Frankie's on at the end of the tunnel, in my opinion. Get ready to enter the ring. DraftKings and Showtime Boxing have partnered to bring you closer to the action than ever before. Introducing the Showtime Boxing Pick'em Game. For every 2019 Showdown Boxing event, you can come out swinging. Each fight card is the opportunity to duke it out for your share of $5,000 and a Showtime boxing swag bag. Head to DraftKings.com Showtime to play against this Saturday's main event, Gervonta Davis versus Ricardo Nunez for the 10-round Super Featherweight World Championship. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think a lot of the people that are chasing Frank Yeager here are chasing the price. And that one time, Max Holloway, who's going to touch this guy? Not only is he the best current featherweight, but he proves that he's probably the greatest featherweight of all times. At this weight class, the guy can do it all. He can grapple, he can defend takedowns. And if you're going to stand up in a striking battle with him, he doesn't got the one-punch power, but he just throws so many strikes. And you're right, when he moves up to 55 so many strikes is not doing it anymore. Like, you need a little bit of that power. It didn't translate him properly. But here's the thing with Max Holloway. He goes from undeniably the greatest guy to do it at this weight class to struggling with the weight cut. Okay, fair enough. Then he jumps up. He's going to take on Khabib, but he moves up a weight class and botches the weight cut. Ooh, now he's bad. Now he comes into Ortega. People are talking about fight week, about this guy's slurring problem. Comes in and smokes Ortega. Yeah, he's just Hawaiian. Smokes Ortega, but fully admits... This weight cut's tough. So what's the plan here? We're going to go up. We're going to fight Dustin Poirier. We're going to capture the 155-pound division. And then we're more or less going to move on from this whole 45-pound thing. Very tough to make the weight cut. Like you said, guy's 27 years old. He's struggling to make the weight cut since he's been 24 years old. It's getting worse. We're going to go up. We'll beat Poirier. And then that'll be the end of 45. Only you get thrashed by Poirier. Now what do you do? Now it just it's proven to you and all the critics I'm probably too small for 55, so I have to come down to 45. So this is a case that I would like to see what he looks like on the weight, on, on the scale. I'd like to see what the weight comes in at. It's championship weight, so he's got to be right on the money. Let's see how much it takes out of him coming back to, to the weight class after having the fight with Dustin Poirier. So I agree that he should be the favorite, but the minus 400, at least there's something to think about that maybe is that the littlest bit too much. But I mean, you want to talk about question marks. Uh, Frank Yeager, a guy that's been on the shelf for a long time, a guy that is 37 years old. And here's the thing with Frank Yeager. You could look, you can literally see the progression of MMA happen throughout the career of Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar fights in the UFC when there is no weight class lighter than 155 pounds. He fights at 155 pounds. Not out of the ordinary, Paul. Tons of guys that were Frankie Edgar's size at the time. He wins a title at 155 pounds. Then he loses to Benson Henderson. Jeez, you know what? I'm too small for 55. The sport has now evolved. The guys at, at 55, they're, they're way bigger. I got to come down to 45. 
and he does good at 45, doesn't capture the title, has some good fights. Cruz, he's still one of the elite guys. But when he lost to Brian Ortega, man, all of the talk, all of the talk shifts to, well, could you make 35, man? And he's like, oh, I can make 35. I don't really want to. I still could win a world title at 45. But you're seeing the sport progress even more so, that it's like the guys at 45 now, they're just too big. And herein lies the problem with Frankie Edgar, is that you notice it in that UFC, his, his last fight with Jose Aldo at UFC 200. Against a guy that can stand his ground, that has a little bit of size, that can counterpunch on him, his little ability to come in and out of the pocket like he used to do, he's not as fast as doing it anymore. These guys, they're a little quicker than he is now. Well, can he fall back on his wrestling? Guy's a great wrestler. He could take down Yair Rodriguez. He could take down, you know, Cub Swanson. He could take down some of these guys, but they're all getting better on the takedown defense side, and they're all getting better, and they're all getting faster, and they're all getting bigger. It becomes a problem. So I think that Holloway is the future. Holloway does win this fight. Holloway does probably score a decent amount of points. But the 9,400, it's just like the littlest bit too much rich for my taste. I don't think that I'm fully confident that he's going to be able to just go out there and smoke Frankie Pillar to post. Maybe he knocks him out. Brian Ortega did it. Why couldn't Max Holloway do it? Because he'll need three or four rounds of just straight punishment. The other question is, we've always wanted to see someone go out there and just try to wrestle Max, but no one really tries to do it. At least this is a case where Frankie will strike with them, but he should also try Max's to mix in the wrestling. Max's takedown defense is like the best of the best. But who's trying to take him down? Jose Aldo? Anthony Pettis? Brian Ortega? Like, at least Frankie Edgar has got the chops to go out there and take this guy down if that's the route he's going to go nah, with. I don't think he can. So, yeah, maybe not. We'll have to see how it plays out on Saturday. I believe Max is going to win. I believe Max should be the favorite. I... I see people playing him at 9,400. I see people parlaying him at, at, at minus 400 money line. You don't see anybody but, playing him at 9,400. People haven't shared their uh, rosters no, with you. No, no. But, I mean, people are going of, to play him. People are going I, to play dude, him. Dude, he's, he's my favorite guy up top by there far. You go. When I said people are going to play him, I meant you specifically, Paul Shaughnessy. You're going to play him. Yeah. Five rounds. Five rounds volume, where he— Volume yeah, monster. I know that Frankie's, Frankie's footwork is a lot better than Ortega's. By a long shot. By a long shot, he's he's quicker as well. So it's Frankie's, not like he's Frankie's he's not going to tee off three hundred, but he doesn't need to tee off three hundred. Frankie's hard to strikes. hit and he's fast. So what I'm saying is is that he's not your average opponent that's going to sit there and get into a slugfest with you. Now, can he knock out Frankie at this stage of career? Frankie, no way anybody in the right mind could ever knock this guy out. But at least that Ortega thing opens up the possibility of, like you're saying originally, is this guy shop worn? Is he at the back nine of his career? We will have to see. I think we're both agreeing here that Max Holloway should get the job done. But just like, for whatever reason, I'd just like to see a slightly better price. And maybe with these these uh, Frankie Edgar supporters coming out of the woodworks now, maybe we will see a better price. But maybe that remains to be determined. I think it's going to stay about the same. But whatever. Let's move on. We've got the biggest favorite on the card, Chris Cyborg, fresh off her first loss in like a decade, uh, getting knocked out by Amanda Nunez. And she's 9,600. Uh, minus 600 favorite Felicia Spencer coming off of a debut win over uh, Megan Anderson, 6,600 plus 450. I mean, it's a cyborg fight, uh, cyborg coming off of a loss type of fight. You know that they want to make the Amanda Nunez rematch, but obviously there's mm. some, I think there's basically, they're trying to make it, but they're trying they to shortchange cyborg on the negotiation. All of this fair, other stuff of fair, like, she doesn't fair. want to fight her. It's just like, that's not true at all. She wants to fight her. You guys are trying to give her, you're not, you're, you're trying to, you know, shortchange her basically. Like I just look at it as all promotional bullshit when a lot of this stuff gets released. Um, too much too soon for Spencer. I imagine like she's taken on before last fight was noted as being basically the greatest woman of all time. 
Yeah, well, I, yeah, and before the last fight, Felicia Spencer was like a three to one underdog to Megan Anderson. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? This is a four girl division, and it re- that's Nunez, who's had the one fight there, Cyborg, who was the queen of the division, and apparently Anderson and Felicia Spencer. On a technical standpoint, at least she's got the tools to defeat somebody like Cyborg. Uh, we know now the blueprint would be counterpuncher and knock her out, but very few people are going to be able to do what one Amanda Nunez, the GOAT, was able to uh, do on that night. So what's the other way of defeating her? Well, are you able to take her down? If you are, Spencer, she's a BJJ black belt. She's got a really heavy top game. Maybe she can tire her out. She seems to have a decent gas tank as well. So well, I think a question with Cyborg is if you stretch her into later rounds, we saw Holly Holm go five with her. I, I get it. But I just mean, for someone who fights so aggressive and with so much power as she does, again, that's always been something that we'd like to have seen. That I don't think Spencer's got the wrestling to immediately take Cyborg down. And she sure as hell don't have the striking to stand with Cyborg for two or three minutes. So I just think Cyborg swarms her. Cyborg, you never get a good price on her. Literally, ever. Never get a good price on her. But she happens to get clapped by the GOAT. And now you're getting six to one. Yeah, That's six. really not that bad, man. So for an extra two hundred dollars over Holloway, I, I feel like I would probably I just, ante up that. I just extra think the ceiling size. is just so much higher for Max. I see four or five rounds of th- uh, of just punch and output. I get it. That's better than a first round KO. You're right. But I, I think feel the, like this I think is the a little safety. Safer. The safety is no. I, Cyborg's pretty safe. Like I cash don't, game, cash game, Cyborg, GPP, Holloway. I just really like Max. I, I just think like Cyborg, she gets a first round finish. Say she gets a knockdown, she gets a first round finish. She's like we're looking at 110 points or so. Yeah. Max can absolutely obliterate that number. Yeah, you're right. He could get, he could get 150 50, points, yeah. no problem. Like if it's just a high intensity. And it's like with Max, it's just like as time goes on, he just. Frankie's he an just, elusive time. He is, he is elusive. He's going to be fast. But it's, I don't know if he's going to be faster than Max. Maybe not. But he's He hasn't fought be... anybody like Max. In yeah, a long yeah, time, yeah, 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 like somebody with that type of volume, they are who's able fighters. to keep you right in range of his strikes. I don't know. I th- I think I think Max is the play this week, but uh, I hope everybody goes to Cyborg like you because. And I'll have Max for cheap. Felicia Spencer could 100% with a nutritionist and a strength and conditioning coach make 135 pounds. Hell, there's a chance she can make 125. So I want to see the weigh-ins for both of those fights. I want to see what Max looks like at 145 on the nose, looking at Frankie. Does Frankie got the look in his eye? Does he got one last hurrah? Does Max got the look in his eye? Is he sp- God slurred speed. I'm kidding. It doesn't really matter. He's Hawaiian. They talk jargon. That's just the way it is. Likewise, I want to see the size advantage because, again, mm. Felicia Spencer's only shot here is to get the takedown. And Cyborg is also a black belt, by the way. So and if you're talking super about... super strong. Yeah, she's super strong, man. She's very hard to take down. It's not as if Amanda Nunez went there, took her down, smoked her on the ground, let her stand up and knocked her out. It's like... She clipped her. She got a wicked good start. She was a little faster than her. Well, it looked like a whole lot faster than her. But again, she got a better start than her and got the jump, got the knockout. All right, we got uh, Jeff, the uh, Jeff Hands of Steel Neil, I believe his name. I don't know his nickname, actually. Great uh, I think it's something hey. like that, but it's like H-A-N-D-Z. Uh, Jeff Neal taking on Nico Price. Jeff Neal, 9,000 and a... Minus 340 favorite, Nico Price is 7,200 and plus 280. Who you got? Well, listen, everybody is in love with Fortis MMA right now. It just, uh, it's that camp that's come out of, I'm not going to say nowhere. It's just Texas wasn't exactly known for their super camps. <coughs> Team takedown. 
But outside of that, it's like, wow, four to seven main is like a feel-good story. A lot of these guys were just like, no, nah, I'm not going to say mid-range regional talent, but hey, we're developing good, athletic, strong talent coming to the UFC and now succeeding in the UFC. Jeff Neal, he's been one of those feel-good stories. I mean, we saw him on Dana White's Contender Series, comes to the UFC now, 3-0, and and just getting better every time. I mean, yeah, he's got the big power. If this guy touches you up, uh, he can crumple you over. His fight with, um, what's his name? It's everybody's favorite fighter from Guam. Oh. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Tuck. Literally, yeah, no, no, not Tuck. Oh, um, Frank yeah. Camacho. Yeah, Frank Camacho, yeah. The fight with Frank Camacho, like, listen, Camacho will give you everything you want. He's going to stand in front of you. He's going to come at you. He's got some decent size. He's got a good striking arsenal. He's always in a fight of the night. Jeff Neal was the one time where it was like, oh, dude, this guy is just absolutely picking him apart. Knocks him out like a scary knockout. This guy's got talent. Yeah, that head kick was nasty. But now the second fight with Bilal Muhammad, so it's his third fight in the UFC. He's got his feet wet. Guy's only 28 years old. I think he's getting better. And just, it, again, with Bilal Muhammad, if there's one issue that he gives up, he's flat footing he's a little bit slow and Jeff Neal just counter punches around this guy I really like it now there's no doubt that Nico Price is the dog in every single fight he just seems to have a path to victory in that he seems to have a freakish amount of power not power like he's going to smack you with a straight right in the face from a standing position but just like power from anywhere he hits you a couple times and he knocks you out I obviously I believe we both kind of uh ate shit in his fight with um Tim, Tim Means, sorry. It's probably with Tim Means. It's like, oh, man. But prior to that with... Uh, I've been gotten into the habit of just not betting against Price because he had burned me in the past before. And you talked about that coming into the Means fight. It's like, man, I can't get a good range on this guy. If I pick him, he loses. And if I pick against him, he seems to get the win. The Randy Brown fight. I mean, they're hammer fists from his back. But then the Al-Hassan fight, it's like, oh, maybe he can tire Al-Hassan. It's like, no, no. Big puncher in the pocket with him is going to knock him out. Sometimes I don't want to call it luck. It's very skillful. He's a good fighter. But it's like he he relies on these like one moment. He's almost like Paul Craig. He's getting his ass kicked. Or at least it appears he's getting his ass kicked until he gets you. The Alex Morono fight. Same thing. Getting his ass kicked. Knocks him out with like one second left in the second round. It's crazy. But that's kind of how it's been for Nico Price. So if you're somebody that's got some question marks on you or you got a streaky pass or you're one of these 500 fighters in the UFC level, I fully see that Nico Price could go out there and get the win. And you would want to plan because chances are he's going to get the finish. But against Jeff Neal, it goes the other way. It goes back to that Al-Hassan fight. Here's a guy that's a good counterpuncher with a lot of power, who's a little bit faster than you, a little bit sharper than you, on a good roll right now. I see Nico Price getting knocked out. So Jeff Neal, I think he's got a very high upside here. $9,000. He's not only the cheaper option than the main event and the co-main event, but he's the far less popular option than see, the main event or the co-main event as well. Here's my argument here. Cyborg and and uh, and Jeff Neal, similar. In terms Similar. of like, in terms of like their ceiling, Similar. but you're saving 600 bucks. Yeah. 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 Whereas, Whereas Max could, go Max off. could Max just go off yeah. with that five rounds in the way that he fights. But you know, it's, it's obviously not exactly a perfect game. The one thing I will say about Jeff Neal, and I think he has fixed this in his game is that you go back to the regional days and he took on Kevin Holland his cardio. and his cardio round three, he looked bad. But like in that Bilal Muhammad fight, Bilal Muhammad's the kind of guy that just like he can he can fight. He can even fight. He's got a great chin and he takes people to deep waters. And Jeff Neal did not look like he was out of place. Jeff Neal's he slowed down a little bit, but like he was, you know, when you're that explosive in round ones, yeah, it's going to be hard to maintain the same. And again, he's 28 years old. When he lost to Kevin Holland, it's like, oh man, I was going out and I was just beating these guys really early, losing in the third round. Now he's a full time fighter. Now he's a full time fighter. He's I don't know if he is. I just. He, he, he got the experience of losing a fight, but he got the experience of fatiguing late in a fight. And then you do see him correct some of those mistakes against Blah Muhammad. Blah Muhammad 
The issue is if this guy takes you into deep waters, you could be in trouble, but he survives there. So flip side to that is, hey, dude, if you don't finish Nico Price early, this guy's got a tendency of if you let him hang Mm -hmm. around, it's not going to go well. But if he's fixed those issues, then yeah. If we don't knock him out in the first round, let's knock him out in the second round. That head kick over Camacho, yeah, second round. I busted him up in the first round, Mm -hmm. and I put him away in the second. Camacho's like certified tough. Not only is he $600 less than Cyborg, but he could have slightly higher upside. And then if Nico Price proves to be durable, and I beat this guy up for a couple rounds, and then knock him. Multiple knockdowns, those 10 points, they (laughs) add up. Exactly. So keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah. So she's I think, a Spencer, she gets knocked down. She's not getting back up. You're a, do you no, know the exactly. difference? Right? She is she is Kunitsky right, like, turtling that, that, that over here. Be. And it's it's all she wrote. All right, let's move on. We've got uh Armin Sarukian taking on Olivier Obe Mercier. Sarukian is eighty eight hundred minus two hundred favorite. Obam Mercier, seventy four hundred plus one seventy, who you got? Yeah, I'm having a tough time getting a good read on Sarukian. On one hand, you look at him on the regional scene, and it's like this guy can wrestle. He can wrestle really well, and he's gonna be a problem for guys that on the regional scene, just very few guys got the grappling chops that he does. So when he makes his UFC debut, geez, I wouldn't mind having a little action on this guy. Only problem is they Mac give him Islam Makachev, which is like there's very few people in the division that you have absolutely no shot of a grappling, and this guy kind of happens to be one of those few guys. So he makes him look bad. Now you get Obey Mercier, and because Obey Mercier is a judo black belt and has a little bit of wrestling credentials and is a BJJ black belt, his reputation is a, is a tough, stout, hard-nosed grappler and we just saw Taruki and have a problem with the same thing so it's easy to draw the parallels however they're not even in the same league and so therefore I think Taruki will have a lot more success in the exchanges with Obey Mercier tire this guy out beat him up the only one thing that makes me nervous is that Obey Mercier he's a dog so this is it feels like a dog or pass situation more or less you got a kid that's 0-1 in the UFC he's going all the way to Edmonton he's taking on a guy that despite not being from Western Canada is still going to get the pop and, and I'll go on record on saying this, Edmonton's the worst commission in the world, right? So you, a bad rub is not out of the realm of... In the world? Of, of, We're, we just came off of a card in Texas, Cody. I, I, Paul, you're preaching the choir. Trust me, I know. And that Sacramento card, too. Some I don't know if I would spots, say worse in the world. They let Tim Hag die, and they did let him die. Because yeah. if you looked at any of the events leading up to that, it was all... Extremely preventable. I don't know much about boxing in Texas, but I bet you they've let a lot of people die there too. Texas is a large state, correct? Yet it's the Texas Athletic Commission. Well, that's not what they're actually called, but you know what I mean. Nevada, it's the Nevada State Athletic Commission. California, the whole state of California, commission, one commission. Ontario, our great province, Paul. There's one commission for Ontario. There's one commission for Quebec. There's one commission for BC. Alberta has a commission in Alberta. They have a commission on Calgary. They have a commission in Medicine Hat. They have a commission in Red Deer. They have a commission in Lethbridge. The into- every every area has their own commission. None of them are on the same page. Lots of disasters. Unified MMA is a top-notch show. But they've had commission issues as well. Everybody's had commission issues in Edmonton. So it makes you feel like a dog or pass. Because listen, they're both grapplers, right? So if this is just a grappling match, is it, is it fair to say Tsurukin's that much better than Obey Mercy? We've seen Obey Mercier. We've seen him battle tested. And no, he can't grapple with Diego, Carlos Diego Ferreira. But yes, he could grapple with guys lesser than this. He's older. Uh, he's a little bit, I, I don't know if he's stronger. Sarukian looks in fantastic shape. But I think he Sar- could pose some problems. I think Sarukian's faster. 
That's what I kind of took note of during the fight against Makachev. Yeah. He, like, he was right in there, like, in those scrambles and stuff against Makachev. And Makachev usually gets you into those positions, and he actually just goes straight to town, Khabib style. Obviously, it's his cousin and all that stuff. Um... The the thing I don't really like because yeah I don't think he's just gonna land takedowns at will on Obe Mercier here. I think he probably has a speed advantage on the feet. But Obe you know Obe Mercier is pretty clunky, and feet. I worry about Obe Mercier just giving up takedown city against uh, uh, Alexander Hernandez. <laughs> okay, you know what? You're absolutely right. And there's a young, aggressive, athletic guy who's similar from a style matchup to yeah, that. Yeah, and, and personally, was... and personally, I I am taking Sarukin. But in the same breath, is that because we're not fully aware of what Sarukin can do at this level, it's hard to back him that much. We're backing him to the tune of a two to one favorite. Oh, I'm not really backing him. Right. Like I'm saying right, that I right. I like him to win. I think he's got advantages on remember, the feet and stuff like Obe that. Mercier? But I'm not like this is not the lock of the night. No, I know. But remember, remember Obey Mercier versus Tony Martin. Jeez. Here's the guy that's faster than me, probably a better striker than me. Jeez, you know what? His BJJ is pretty good too. But I'm going to get him into the spots of the fight where I'm able to control him long enough to get the victory. Islam Makachev was able to control this guy in spots when he got a hold of him. Could Obey Mercy do the same thing? I would not be able to willing to find out if he was the favorite, but he's not the favorite. He's a plus 170 dog. And if money continues to come on Sarukian, and I'm going to put a little bit of money on Sarukian, then you can get a better price. All I'm saying is through three fights, which dog do I think has the best chance I agree. of Price, Spencer, and, and, and Edgar? It's the fourth fight, by the way. So, yeah, sorry. Through three fights. We're done with three fights. We're in the fourth fight, if that makes sense. Uh, probably doesn't. Plus 170, you could do worse. All I'm saying. I hear that. All right, the last thing I will say is that 7,400 Oban Mercier... He's a shit DraftKings player. Yeah, very the, uh, yeah, he needs to squeak this. He, he won a fight without ever throwing a significant strike one time. Yeah. That's all we really have to say. So, like, I think this is just stay away on DraftKings. I'll probably have some, you know, Sarukian tickets, but that's about that's it. kind of about where I stand on this. We move on to the middleweight division. We have Christoph Jarko taking on Mark Andre Berrio. Jocko, 8,700 and a minus 160 favorite. Barrio, 7,500 and plus 140. Barrio in his UFC debut took on uh, uh, your boy uh, Andrew Sanchez. Sanchez was able to take him down. Kind of started to tire. It got real dicey in round three, but Sanchez was able to hold on. Jotko last time out, he had come. He was coming off of like three straight losses. Takes on Amadovsky. Wasn't the greatest performance, but he talked about how he was going to be Jocko 2.0. And Jocko 2.0 meant takedowns. You watch the tape on Marc-Andre Barrio. You see what a gassed, a, a guy like Andrew Sanchez who gasses out can do. I think Jocko is an interesting play on DraftKings. I think he's going to go straight to that wrestling. Where can he get? He can only get hurt by getting knocked out by Barrio, who slugs you know, somewhat heavy decently, shots. Decently, yeah. Decently heavy shots. So you can definitely knock him out. But, um, but yeah. Um, I think Jocko, it's 8,700. Uh, this fight to go to decision uh, is minus one forty five, so it's like close, getting close to a pick 'em in terms of that. So it's like it's one of it seems like a decent value spot. And if Jocko goes to the grappling, I think he's gonna have a big advantage there. Um, I like Jocko, and I think yeah, I, I hope that he's a relatively low owned guy on this slate. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I feel like Christoph Jocko, he's not Jocko 2.0. Well, he is, but you know it's the exact same evolution that 
that uh, Cesar Ferreira went through, Mutanche. Mutanche 1.0 liked to bang. Yeah, he had some grappling skills, but he didn't mind getting in there. He didn't mind going after the knockout. He didn't mind thrilling the masses. And then he got chin-checked a couple times, and he was like, forget about this. And that was the end of it. Cesar Ferreira version 2.0 is, I'm just going to get takedowns on these guys and, and, and submit them with a superior ground game. And it works at a certain level. I don't see Jocko being a top 10 contender ever again, even though he's only 29. Even though I think he's really skilled, he's got he's got sure. skills everywhere. Marc Andre Barrow will never be a top ten contender. Yeah, no, never, never, and that's why he's going to shine, similar to the way Mutanje did against this level of opposition with his superior ground game. I mean, going into the Uriah Hall fight, it's this guy is a top prospect. He lost to Dave Branch, but it's a split, and he looked good. And this guy's got the whole world behind him, and he's looking awesome against Uriah Hall. He's smoking Uriah Hall. He got Uriah Halt. Ah, no big deal. Then the Brad Tavares fight. Then he gets knocked out again. And Brad Tavares, not known Pillow for fisted. his... Holy shit. You want to talk about a guy that goes to decision? Brad Tavares. So to get knocked out by him, it's like, okay, we've got a serious problem here. Alandowski was unbelievably one-dimensional. He yeah. wanted to throw some rockets at you. That's about it. Going into that fight, Jocko was my pick of the night saying, hey, Jocko's not a stupid guy. This guy can only defeat me one way if he throws some rockets my way. I'm going to get below him. I'm going to take him down. I'm going to neutralize him up against the cage, use my wrestling, scores four takedowns. Even though the killer instinct that Jocko used to have wasn't quite there, we got a, a three-round decision out of Jocko in which he just kind of went through the motions. Those motions are exactly what you need to do here mm -hmm. against uh, Marc-Andre Barrio. Barrio, the power bar, he's a generalist. He, he's generally good everywhere. He can strike. He can grapple. He can wrestle. He's got okay cardio. His heart's his biggest thing. He's got heart for absolute days, and he's got a decent chin. But he's not a specialist in one in any one dimension. You saw that with Sanchez. Sanchez is a guy that wrestled collegiately, and he's a BJJ black belt. Once he got the takedowns on Barrio, he he had him at you know he had him at will. Problem is Sanchez is known to fatigue, and like most Sanchez fights, he did fatigue. But even this guy, completely cooked holding up Barrio against the cage and not doing anything. Everybody's booing. They're in Montreal. It's Barrio's home field here. Everybody's booing. Sanchez isn't doing nothing. Barrio's still not able to get him off of him. Now, Barrio's the TKO champ at 85 and 205. At 205, he didn't fully look out of place either. He wasn't great, but he didn't fully look out of place, so to speak. So he's going to have some size. It's not going to be super easy for Jocko to just go out and run through this guy through the washer for three no, rounds. Round one, he's going to have to he's going to have to slow him down. He's going to have to tire him out. He's going to have to hold him up against the cage. He's going to have to get kind of greasy. He's going to have to strike a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But if I thought Jocko could still take a punch, he's a much better striker. His footwork, infinitely better than Marc-Andre Barrio. He'd literally be able to dance around, kick him, use his jab and his straight right to get the victory. But because I don't want to get in a prolonged striking battle anymore... We need to go to the wrestling. Use the striking, set this guy up, get him a little eager, get him to come at you, and then get that takedown. Once you get that takedown, he should be able to just take on, remain on top, pound away, look for submissions. Jocko at 8,700, very tempted because the takedowns are there. Takedowns is a great way to score points. But again, if the killer instinct wasn't really there against Alandowski, and outside of the takedowns, it wasn't like he was ground and pounding all that much. No. It was mostly just, I'm on a three-fight losing streak. I need to get the win. Now that he has the win, maybe he does open up, but we're not fully sure yet. So don't love the price, but Jocko 160, very fair. Jocko 8700 does make sense when you think about it at the end of the day. We got Viviani Arujo taking on Alexis Davis. Arujo is 9100 minus 250 favorite. Davis is 7100 plus 210. This fight minus basically minus 200 to go to decision. 
not go to decision, plus 155. Viviana Rujo obviously came in against Talita Bernardo in her first, uh, her, her debut in the UFC. And she was like a my, or she was like a plus 300 underdog against Crazy. her. Well, nine, so. This matchup doesn't feel really all that different, but now she's a minus 250 favorite. So do you really, do you really want to lay minus 250? On somebody whose biggest win by far in their career is against Toledo Bernardo. Like <laughs> we were I I think we were here. She she got super 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 low uh short notice on that. And I think it was like that there weren't even like odds released or something when we when we did that show. No, there wasn't. She took the fight on like two days' notice. She was like the third opponent yeah. for Bernardo as well. And uh just from watching tape, I was just like, I think she's gonna have a big speed of it. I didn't foresee her getting a first round finish scoring 109 points. And I didn't see the hands, I saw the grappling. I didn't know she could bang as well. She's yeah. got big power. Like, in she the looks division, good. Man. She yeah. looks good. She's She's yeah, quick. Man. Now she's moving down to 125. That was a 135 fight against Bernardo, I believe. I may yeah. be off. No, on no, that. you are. And um, I think it's very similar. Very similar matchup. Alexis Davis is very, very slow. Plotting is going to be looking for takedowns. I think Viviani pieces her up. But the one thing I will say about Alexis Davis, she's pretty durable. Like she can take a beating. She's been in there with all the best and. That kind of gives me pause. 9,100 on DraftKings, very expensive. I don't see a repeat of performance of a first-round knockout or anything like that for Vivian uh, Rujo. I like her to win, but I think it's a stay away altogether for me in this fight. What about you? Yeah, you know what? It goes back to like recency bias. Sometimes you get an unbelievable price on somebody. You see them go get that big victory, and then their very next outing, you go maybe a little too much on them. So yeah, you made a good point. Um, she comes in as a big underdog against Bernardo, and now she's a big favorite. Remember Austrian wonderboy, Nordiev? He comes in, he picks up a win over Prezeris that, geez, man, nobody really saw that coming. He's a three to four under, uh, to one underdog against Prezeris. But then coming in his next fight, he's taking on Chance Rang counter. And he's a huge favorite. And listen, he looks to be a big favorite. He looks like this guy's pretty good. He just beat a guy that's three times better than Chance Rencounter. But you go too big on somebody based on that one performance. So that may be the one risk here is that, yes, I do believe that uh, that Arroyo should be the favorite over Alexis Davis. I don't mind Arroyo at all. But 250, again, does seem a little bit much. 9,100 seems like a little bit much. Not only is she 1-0 in the UFC and 7-1 and overall in a career, but that one win was literally over the absolute bottom of the barrel. I don't know how much lower you would have to go to scrape anything more below that bottom of the barrel. Because Toledo Bernardo is just not UFC caliber. So she, she got an impressive win over absolutely nobody. Whereas Alexis Davis is losing to former Invicta champ Caitlin, or, um, Jennifer Maya. Caitlin Jukagian, who's like a 5-1 and one in the UFC. Liz Carmouche, former champion. Sarah McMahon, former champion. Grinding Sarah, it out with Cindy Sarah, fucking Dandwa. Right, I, that's why I skipped that one. Because it's like, okay, she's really slow. And the yeah. game has passed her by. Yep. But remember that time you and I, we were breaking down Joe Riggs versus Ben Saunders. And it was Bookie Beat Down Days. And the board comes up. And I remember you saw Joe Riggs. And you were like, oh my god. Me and Joe Riggs are the same age. And he was fucked. His face looked like... He looks like he's a 60-year-old man. His skin is like... A it doesn't help that he's got like that platinum-colored hair, though. Well, that, that certainly is not making him look any younger, let me tell you. But his skin looks like if you were to leave a McChicken on the dashboard of a car in the hot sun for at least a day. 
It's mm. just like it's it's almost like leather. It's just it's it's weather beaten. Alexis Davis is two years older than too, than, man, uh, yeah. than Viviana Arroyo. Just crazy to me that they're two She's years. She's got because, city miles on her because in in fight years they're about fifty years apart. And yeah. unfortunately, that's the problem. Is that Arroyo is actually known for her grappling. We didn't know about the striking until the the last fight with Bernardo. But Arroyo is a decent grappler as well. And Alexis Davis, at this stage of her career, she just needs to get on top. She's got, she's also, we did a black belt, but she's got a good top game. She's got decent ground and pound. She's heavy on top. She's got a good ground game. But the wrestling is just not there. How are you going to get the fight to the ground? The judo, geez, man, those head and arm throws are not even working anymore at this level. Shit's evolving. How about the striking? She used to be a really good Muay Thai fighter. She doesn't move her head. She's super clunky, and she's extremely flat-footed. So it's all not playing against Arroyo. The thing is, is that do I want to go two and a half to one on a sophomore UFC fighter that was completely unheralded? 32 years old, just making the second fight in the UFC, eight fights overall in her career. I want it better. I think she's going to win. But again, another, I said at the top of the show, pricing on this card, not great. And this is another example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Agreed. Uh, we got Hakim taking on Yoshinori Hari. I believe that's how they were pronouncing it on the pancreas. That was pretty impressive, Fight. dude. Not going to lie. Uh, Hari, Hariya, something. They were saying it different on the pancreas, and I imagine on pancreas they were probably saying it correctly. No, no. I, I'm just going to put yeah, I think they were saying Horie. No, I remember. Yashinori Harie. I'll tell you a quick story. That was that. pretty good. That was actually really good. That was actually really, really good. good. So one time, I, this is this is a long time ago, but I'm talking to this guy, and he, I'm just like, oh, he's like, oh, are you into MMA? Yeah, I'm into MMA. He's like, oh, you watch UFC? Yeah, I watch UFC. He goes, oh, man, do you watch Pride? Yeah, yeah, I watch some Pride. And then he says, uh, oh, man, you know who my favorite fighter is? I says, who? And then the, I realize, come to realize, he's not a huge fight fan. But anyways, he says, uh, Marka Kolmada. This is Mark, Marka, Marka Coleman. <laughs> I says, Mark Coleman? He says, oh, yeah, 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 Mark. Coleman. Yeah, yeah, but you listen to any introduction. It's always, Mark Coleman. <laughs> so, yeah, is it Hori or is it Horia? I don't know, Paul, but whatever you said, I'm going with that. That was actually, uh, I, I dug it. So, Dewaru is 9,300 minus 400 favorite. Uh, Horia. Is sixty nine hundred and plus three twenty five. I'm never rostering Hakeem Duwadu ever again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get at that in a second. I don't think he has very much power in his hands. He also doesn't have. He doesn't throw a lot of strikes. He's got really nice, crisp looking technique. It just doesn't equate to this style of game, especially when he's ninety three hundred. Hey, if he ends up getting a bit of a step up in competition, and we can get this guy at like seventy four against somebody with maybe some chin issues, then it's a different ball game altogether. But he's always priced up way up here. Bokniak super tough, and you know Zabit wasn't able to finish him, or he wasn't able to you know really rattle him all he that was, much on the he feet. Was, he looked good against Zabit Bokniak, dude. He did. Um, Arnett, similar type of story, another pretty durable guy. So maybe he's getting an unfair shake, but I'm not convinced that Hakeem's got a great chin. The only thing that this Horie guy can do is throw bombs. He throws right hooks. He throws left hooks. He's throwing them against really low level regional Japanese MMA talent. But in terms of the big underdogs on this card, man, based on Hakeem Duwadu's history of he can get like he can get uh, clipped like he did against like Danny Henry and then and then submitted. 
if I'm going to make a punt way down at the bottom, it's it's Hardier and you know, plug your nose and, and go on. And then you hope that that he's able to just withstand, you know, getting outclassed on the feet. That he doesn't get knocked out himself. But Dawadu, he's more of a tactician than he is a quote unquote fighter. And that doesn't pay the bills in DraftKings. I'm staying away from Duwadu altogether. I do think uh, Yoshinori Hori or Harie, Yoshinori Harie, Yoshinori is uh, is a decent punt play for GPPs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Mean Hakeem. Talk about a guy that before he made it to the UFC, I would have told you, Paul, when this guy makes it to the UFC, he will be answer of the week, the greatest Canadian fighter currently signed the UFC because I thought he had it all. I really did. He's a Muay Thai world champion, a guy that was 50-some Muay Thai fights prior to ever transitioning to MMA, he was known for a massive hook game, great leg kick game, and a good chin, and the ability to fight multiple rounds and not have cardio issues. He's strong, he's got it all, but you're going to be able to take this guy down. So he spends a lot of time working on his takedown defense. He spends a lot of time working on his, his ground game as a whole, and he starts to reap the benefits. You see him sign to a World Series of Fighting, even the fight with, like, Steven Seiler. You know, if you can't grapple, Seiler's going to take advantage of that situation. Seiler, as bad as his record looks, takes advantage of guys that are just too green, but his takedown defense checks out. His two fights with that Russian guy, same thing. Takedown defense checks out. Even when he's getting taken down early in the first round of the first fight, his power carries, his cardio carries. He's a threat. He'll knock you out late. I thought he had power. I thought he had good grappling. I thought he had it all. But Danny Henry chin-checking him with that hook and then choking him out, that, like, changed something in him. Because maybe at that point it was the first time he got hurt. I, I don't know. But something definitely changed from him. The Austin Arnett fight, the Kyle Bokniak fight, they're both durable. You're right. Mm-hmm. And so maybe, maybe we're giving him a bad rap. But it does feel like he's going through the motions. Also, he's a significant favorite over these guys. And they're looking like very close fights. Even, in fact, the fight with Bokniak is a split decision. Just goes to show the attestment of it was a close fight. So now, you know, if you're going to, what, what's your plan B if you can't outstrike these guys? You going to wrestle them? No, your game plan was counter wrestle and strike, but you're struggling to strike with guys at these level. He's a better striker than Hori. The one thing is that Hori's faster than him. He's like 24 years old. He's eager. He's got fast hands. He's the kind of guy that could catch you off surprise. So I've never bet off Hakeem, bet, uh, bet against Hakeem, sorry. Uh, two and one in my Hakeem bets officially. And I am going to go with Hakeem again. But I fully know what you're saying when you're looking at a punt play down or further down the card. I, I recognize that, you know, maybe Obey Mercier could have a chance. I don't like Barrio. I really don't like Alexis Davis. I, I would have to be a fool to realize to, or not to admit that uh, Yoshinori Hori, he'd be, he'd be a decent play. He's coming in here at $6,900 plus 325. Value's there all day. Right? Mm-hmm. Why not take a chance on a guy like that who, if he's going to win, it's gonna be he's going to knock him. Fashion. Yeah, he's going to knock him out in the first round. Yeah, he's fighting bums in the regional scene. This is a huge step up in competition. Yeah. And I, I personally don't think he's going to win this fight. Nor do I. But the price is there. The chance for a high uh, uptick is there. And he's, if he's going to be low ownership, which I don't think he's going to be overly low owned, I feel like other people are going to come to the same conclusion. He may be the guy that gets like because people are going to be like Spencer. Spencer, we're taking on Cyborg, one of the greatest of all time. Frankie Edgar. It's just like well, up until last fight, Max Holloway was starting to get put into like those greatest of all time types of conversations and stuff like that. Not that right. he, not that he deserved it. I mean, Dewadu is the is the favorite that has let so many people down. Dewadu's probably going to be super low owned. 
So people are playing lots of lineups. That's that's the leverage play for them. But it's a real conversation that you and I are going to have to talk for the MMA Ironman this week. Because one thing with Dewadu is that his stock, ooh, it's, it's not like Chad Doe. It's I'm not stock. rostering. I'm not. We're not rostering him. Just listen. I'm not going to do it. Just listen to me at one little. Thing. Not going to do it. Well, oh, fine. Yeah, you know what? You can you can you can make the roster for this week. You can do that. I will. I, I will not have any roster. I will he, not roster Dewadu on anything fair, else. Very fair. Very fair. Are you just trying to throw people in the Iron Man for a curveball? No, 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 no. I don't. See, he's going to be doing very well, right? Which recently. is why, which is why we got to shake things up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, the higher owned plays, Max Holloway is going to be owned. Cyborg going to be owned. Jeff Neal going to be owned. Vivian uh, Arroyo, yeah, probably, probably not as much. But Hakeem Dewadu, he's like the nut low of that list of fighters. Like he's the one guy that you're not going to be rostering. People are, in fact, probably going to be looking to fade him. Now, Hori, Hori's fought a lot of bad fighters, and he's defeated a lot of bad fighters. Just three fights back. This fight happens in uh, March 2018, so a little over a year ago. He takes on Issei Tamora. Do you remember Issei Tamora? Mm-hmm. Famous TJ Dillashaw victim. He's mm-hmm. currently 12 and 10, 35 years old. Bum. Knocks Hori out in the second round with a left hook. Busts him out. Tamora can't strike, is a grappler, by the way. Hits this kid and folds him up. And this kid has not fought in anybody decent since then. Akeem Nawadu is by far... The best guy that this guy has ever fought. Tomorrow's oh, I, don't, a third I don't doubt any of this, Cody. This is a bigger, stronger, better all-around fighter. You don't fighter. have to sell me on any of this. I'm saying we're on the same page here. I'm saying I'm talking myself into it. That's what I'm saying. Oh well, you can you can make yeah. But three forty for Ironman challenge four hundred. I don't know yeah, if I no. love it that much. No, God no. I guess this is very hometown for him. Like he's from Calgary, isn't he's he? He's from Calgary. Yeah, so. that's why he's on the card for a reason. And they've got him a debuting Japanese fighter for a reason. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We got uh, Gavin Tucker coming off of a two-year layoff from a severe beating at the hands of Rick Glenn. He is 8,400, taking on Seung Woo Choi, uh, who is 7,800 and plus 105. Who you got, Coach? Yeah, as much as my girlfriend don't want to hear this because she's a big Gavin Tucker fan, you know, he's the Newfoundland tear. She's from Nova Scotia. And, you know, those Maritimers, Paul, they like to uh, like to stick together. All the same, Gavin Tucker's got, like, all the cards stacked against him here. A, he's now 33 years old, coming off a two-year-long layoff of, I ain't going to call it brain damage, but, like, you know, that 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 was the kind of beating that would require the human body to take two years off of. And, like, they the type of him- beating that you're like, this ref bet the over, and he bet it hard. <laughs> Because he yeah, will not yeah, let yeah. this let this fight stop. Yeah, I saw a Twitter question the other day. Oh, I wish I forgot the guy's name because I like to give people shout-outs of them ripping their bit. But I think the bit was, who took a worse beating? Dan Hooker versus Edson Barbosa? Or or this, Rick Glenn versus uh, Gavin Tucker? It's a tough, my, tough call. Yeah, no, it is a tough call. But when you watch the Hooker fight, it's like, oh, dude, this guy's too tough for his own good, man. Like, this is, it's hard to watch. But, like, young guy, like, going to be back. When you watch Gavin Tucker's, it was like, that's the fucking end of this guy. I didn't think we'd ever see him again. Now, he takes a year off after the beating, and he actually comes back against uh, Andres Sukumantath, only he bails out because of injury. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his career prior to him ever coming to the UFC, he fought once a year, battled a lot of injuries. So I think he's a black belt, certainly a good brown belt, but I think he did get promoted. His his, his striking, Jesus, a slick little counterpuncher. His fight with Sam Cecilio's UFC debut, that really displayed you know some of his good striking skills. There, there's something there. But again, I mean, everything is now stacked against you coming back. And the issue with Sung Woo Choi is that he appears to have an endless amount of cardio. Like, he just does not tire, and he stands in the pocket with you, and he chucks bombs. 
So even though I do think Glenn is a better striker, and I think Glenn has a, or sorry, uh, even though I think Tucker is a better striker, and I do think Tucker has a better ground game as well, it, coming off from two years, cardio is going to be a question. Ring rust is going to be a question, and his ability to take damage is going to be a question. Yeah, and it's not like he's like a 23-year-old kid that it's like, oh, he took two years off. He must have improved a whole bunch since then. It's like he probably, well, who knows what he's been doing. But, yeah, when he got as someone around that age, I tell you, you don't improve (laughs) in most things physically as you get older. Yeah, and also it's like you got a shoulder injury at 27. Does it suddenly become better and stronger at 33? No. And like, yeah, everything starts to regress. Your timing, your speed, all of these things. Meanwhile, this kid, he's fighting all the time. Like, he had a fight not too long ago. It's it's, it's the next generation. Even though one thing, if you watch any of these South Korean fighters, man, I mean, watch Road FC cards, full cards of South Korean fighters. They're so tough. They can take a massive amount of damage. They'll stand in the pocket with you, and then, you know, they can make it a dirty fight. Whereas I don't think that's going to work against a ton of people. Fully, this version of Gavin Tucker, it could very well work. So as much as I hate to say it, my East Coast brother, yeah, I, I, I would have to say uh, Suwon Choi. It's, it's, this is fully dogger passing. Yeah. You can currently get dog money on the South Korean. You have to I think it. it's priced probably about right. It's pretty much a pick um, but you're in Canada and Canada Canadians we we we're fresh off of Texas That's but That's fair. us That's assholes fair. of the of the north here. Like basically yeah, Alberta is American Texas or is Canadian Texas essentially. It's the oil country, it's a big cowboy hat all of that for people who don't know much about like Edmonton and up there it's like it's oil country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same type of thing. Their they, commission's also really, really bad. It's probably going to be some robberies and stuff. And us yeah. Canadians will just say sorry. Of course. And if you're like, you know what? Just just move one province over. Go to BC. They got their shit together. It's like, man, Barzola Bokniak, What the hell was going on there? No. What the hell was going on there, Paul? No, no, we got no. the we got the win on the spotty decision, but you know, all the same. All right, we move on. We've got uh, Alexander Pantoja taking on Davison Figueredo. 8,300 Pantoja, Figueredo 7,900 and plus 105. Who you got? Yeah, I, I'm, as much as I'd like to say Figueredo, he's super entertaining. You know, a guy that's going to chuck bombs, going to give you a fun fight. He just looks so unbelievably lost against Formiga. And I get it. I get it. That's that's exactly savvy what... savvy veteran. Yeah, that's what you see for Formiga does to guys. I, I fully understand. You know, it, he only needs a takedown once he gets said takedown. He's not really going anywhere. And in this case, he gives up three takedowns. But it's not only when he gets taken down, Paul. It's like there's it doesn't look like I'm not fully confident on his ability to get back up and then neutralize it. Uh, Formiga passes, I believe, Fightmetric has it as like seven times on the ground. So like talk about ground transitions... When you do watch the fight, it's like he's fully in control. And when the fight remains standing now, he's so hesitant to let his bombs rip because he knows what's going to happen. And even though he knows what's going to happen and has his hands ready for it to happen, it still happens. So he's got massive size for 125. I think when they talked about closing up shop, that was one guy that everybody was like, oh, just move him up to 35. He'd be good at 35. The fact that he was able to be outgrappled by a guy that is that much smaller than him, he's never going to make it as a factor at 135 pounds. And so this is exactly where you need him. The thing with Pantoja is he's the younger fighter. Technically speaking, 
He's the sharper, more technical striker, albeit maybe not the actual better striker, but he's got the ground game. Another good BJJ black belt, 29 years old, no V and Yao guy. Wrestling's good enough to probably get some takedowns. He's wrestling better than Formigas. No, no, because even though it's like... Formigas what, what, is really, such a vet yeah, at this point that he's he's he, built yeah. that game for himself. I don't know if Pantoja has... It. Like, we saw against uh, Dustin Ortiz, that, and that's a scramble master, but like he really struggled in those exchanges. Fair, fair. Absolutely fair. Later, so in those, uh, in, as the fight would roll in those In those those exchanges we talked about that fight actually we nailed that one to the t we said he'll probably end up taking his back in the first round because mm -hmm. at, in those scrambles ortiz tends to give up his back pantoja got a great back take but it's the ability to keep going keep going keep going wear this guy out tire this guy out and then be able to take advantage of him but again 29 years old he's not young he's not old he's making improvements he's new to the ufc he's really new to high level mma he's training at a great level let's say if he makes some improvements but it's that it's that next fight against wilson hayes wilson hayes is a black belt Wilson Hayes is a guy that he wants takedowns on you. He going to get takedowns on you. But you're seeing that it's like, oh, man, the, the the older fighters of the division are moving out. And these younger guys like Pantoja that are able to grapple, able to strike, able to tie it all together, have good cardio, they're going to replace them. It's just the way it's going to be. This is a situation where I can't back up Figueroa's takedown defense. And even though slight dog, maybe it's a dog or pass situation, I just saw the blueprint on how to beat this guy. And I think Pantoja and his coaches, they're they're able to do it they see it and they should implement that game plan get those takedowns get the win the eighty three hundred dollars geez this is a very tempting fight because there's not a lot of these tempting mid-ranges eighty three hundred mm -hmm. you're not saving a whole lot of money but you are saving money and could he go out there and maybe get a finish probably not could he go out there and get takedowns have a little bit of striking score up to that and be one of those mid-range guys possibly i'm personally saying probably just pass on this fight altogether um, but the official pick, which I'll get to, I guess, when I round at the end of the show, is I would go Pantoja. Yeah, that's all reasonable enough. I think it's, yeah, this is one of the most competitive fights on the card. Very it's actually, in my opinion, like, I'm really looking forward to Neil and Price. This fight, uh, I want to see the main event, obviously. Cyborg versus Spencer is a bit of a, like, it's a, it's a top three fight on this card, and it's buried way down here on the prelims because they hate flyweights. But they have 15 flyweights again. Hey, they have rankings. Yeah, the winner of this is essentially going to be the bargaining chip for keeping Joby Wan Kenobi busy on the sidelines while he waits for Cejudo, who may or may not ever be coming back. But essentially, it's like, I do think that these are two of the best flyweights if flyweight is going to remain a division. And they're both fresh enough that it may sense to do it but with Figueredo coming off a loss he needs a big win here and with Pantoja getting a little bit of momentum coming again he's only got the one win over Hayes they're gonna have to put a statement to get themselves in line for a big fight to further along their careers which at 25 is looking increasingly uh spotty this next fight Cody gives me anxiety <laughs> really gives me anxiety we've got uh Jillian Anderson taking on Sarah Frota uh, at 125 pounds, Jillian Robertson is 8,600 minus 130 favorite. Frota, 7,600 plus 110. What gives me anxiety about this is that it's a fly, women's flyway fight, and go to dis, go the distance is plus 185. Not go the distance is minus 265. So bookmakers, and when you look at their records, like these are these both of these girls are kind of front runners. Like they. They got to go out there. They got to impose their will. And if they don't, usually their opponent starts to impose their will on them. Um, Frota, obviously, in her last time out, she's moving up from 115. She missed. 
She missed by eight pounds, I guess pounds. seven pounds, because of the allowance yeah, of the extra pound, yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But you know, she came in at 123 against Olivia Souza. It was super, super close and everything like that. But um, man, this it makes me really nervous that this is a fight that you probably have to roster. And I do not want to be part of this. Maybe you can lead me towards the money here. Hopefully you have a hot take. Hopefully you have somebody that you really want to back in this because I think I think you have to play this damn fight, and I don't like it one bit, Cody. Okay, well, bit. in that case, since we have to have a strong opinion, then we're going to back Jillian Robertson. We're going to back Jillian Robertson to the tune of, yeah, man, she's got about, seems to have two rounds in her. She finishes you within two or she herself is finished within two. You look at her, all of her fights, Macedo, Silva, McMahon, Whitmire, even her fights before that, Hannah Cyphers, or when she was on the Ultimate Fighter against Barb Honchak. They're all inside the distance, so it's easy to see why one of them should be inside the distance. Sarah Froda, big, bruising striker, you know, can do some serious damage. Also has some decent ground game as well. Like, her BJJ is pretty okay. Yeah, yeah, I can see this one going inside the distance. So now we need to figure out which one. Minus 130, plus 110 seems about relatively even, but we're going to go with Jillian Robinson on the basis of, if you're Sarah Froda, right? You're a nobody. The only reason that people have suddenly taken a, a liking to Sarah Froda is we saw what she did against Livian Souza, who is a former Invicta champ and, you know, is a decently credited fighter. And, man, this girl's big. She's strong. Uh, she makes you work. She tires you out. She's aggressive. She stays in the pocket. She's like a throwback to, like, the shoot-to-box fighters from back in the day. Sure, when she doesn't cut weight and misses weight by seven pounds. Yeah, or that's part of the game plan here. You know what yeah, I mean? Livian Souza used to fight at 105 pounds. So not only am I going to come in and fight this girl where I'm naturally lost, bigger than her i came on a short notice but that extra seven pounds it's going to be hard for her to grapple with me and livian souza beating her early but it tires on her it wears on her and then by the end it's like man this is a dicey fight that could go either way but here's my thing so i'm a big souza guy right and i back her heavily going into that fight with froda and it's a close fight i didn't like it i didn't like the the, the weight advantage but souza scores four takedowns on Froda. Mm -hmm. Now going into Sousa's next fight against Brianna Van or I <laughs> say that Brianna Van Buren. I don't know why I said <laughs> Brianna Van Buren. Sorry, going into the fight with Van Buren, it was like wrestling is going to be one of her advantages. She's not going to be the better striker. She's not getting up the technical boxing against Van Buren. She needs to be able to go out there and get takedowns. Jeez, man, she struggled mightily, mightily. Only against big old Sarah Froda, she was able to get the takedowns. Mm -hmm. It just tied her out in doing so. Jillian Robinson is a decent wrestler. Jillian Robinson training out of ATT is working with a great cast of characters. She's going to be everybody able to get the at ATT is hot fire right now. But it feels that way. I don't know if no. I don't have any empirical evidence to prove that, but it seems like everybody at that gym is absolutely crushing the game. Yeah, they're getting to the point now where they're just like, uh, will you guys fight each other, Colby? Would you fight George Mazadal? Yeah, because all of the, all of their fighters yeah, are at yeah, the top yeah, of the of divisions. It's, and like, it's just like we're running out of options. At some point, it's like you guys are gonna have to stop being buddies yeah. because like you're all the best guys in the world. So, anyways, Jillian Robinson, she's in a right gym to succeed, but she's a much better wrestler. And her whole game is if she ends up on top of you in the grappling exchanges, good for her. If she ends up on the bottom, not so much. So you take Froda had all that size, but she had all that size against. Souza, who's naturally small, and she missed weight. Now she's going up a weight class to take on Jillian Robertson, who is not small for the weight class by any means. It should be Robertson getting on top of her. Here's the one thing. I'm not fully confident. She's got all three of her, her, her submissions in the UFC or rear naked choke. I'm not fully confident that she's able to submit Froda. Mm -hmm. I think this fight could go the distance. I think that she could just win a decision. 
But looking at the price for 8,600, if she gets me those takedowns, she works her ground transitions. Could be worth my while. Could be worth my while. I, I would say 8,600 is too much for Jillian Robertson, but the minus 130 priced right on the dot, I would take a poke at that. Ooh, who's a better play? Jotko or Anderson or uh, or uh, uh, Robertson? I would say Robertson because right next to each other in pricing, like that's she's got a she's got a history of of finishes, so at least you could bank There's on that. There's a much better uh, fight doesn't go the distance number in this. Yeah, fight. in women 125, it's that division where you could say there's no chance this is a finish, and then it's just like oh she got armbarred from guard 37 seconds into the yeah. fight. Like the fuck saw that coming? But shit does happen. And I would say if Robertson's the one that's completing takedowns and ending up on top and tires this girl out, this girl doesn't got a great gas tank, man. Tire her out could be a problem. So sign me up for Robertson. We got uh, Kyle Stewart taking on Eric Koch. Kyle Stewart, 8,200, minus 115 favorite. Eric Koch is 8,000 and minus 105. Pretty much a pick him for this one to get finished inside the distance. Um, minus 130 for it to go the distance, minus 110 for it not to go the distance. So it's pretty much pick them. And I can kind of understand because it's really hard to think. Eric Koch, he's fight at 145. He's at 155 for a long time. This fight's at 170. And Kyle Stewart obviously coming off of a loss to uh, Chen's Rankounter, getting submitted in the first round. Fast. Not exactly a good... I was shocked to see Kyle Stewart as the slight edge favorite here. And then when I started looking into Coke again, I was just like, this guy may just be straight up shot. And I think, you know, his record and everything that's happened over the last few years would kind of prove that he is not the guy that he used to be. Um, God. I want to play Eric Koch. I just think, you know, better, historically better gym. The guy had, the guy used to be a top end prospect. People thought that he was going to go places and stuff. Kyle Stewart got submitted by Chance Rencounter in the first round. Like, fast. <laughs> I mean, I'm picking Koch here just based on what he had done in the past, but he's not the same guy anymore. It's, it's, it's actually tougher. To feel confident in it than I originally thought when I just looked at the number and was just like, that doesn't seem right. Let me dig a little bit further. It's just like, well, well, especially at 170. It's just like, what's this guy? Wait for the wait for Coke. I want to see him on the scale. He's been off for a while. He'll be big. I want to see him at 170. And I want to see like if he looks like muscular, if he looks thick, or if he just looks like a bloated 155 pounder. Yeah, that I don't know. But trust me, Eric Coke's one of those guys, like when he was making 45, it was strange. And at 55, he doesn't seem totally out of place. The problem is, is that like, yeah, again, another guy that the game passed him by. He used to be a really good striker. Man, he couldn't wrestle. So guys just exposed him and their ability to take him down and control him. So he worked a lot on his ground game. But then guys like Darren Cruikshank exposed him that uh, I let go of my striking to work on my ground game. Now I can't strike with the elite guys and I can't grapple with the elite guys. Where do I fit in? And he's just had a really, a really bad run of luck. This is actually the most, uh, to me, I thought the most interesting stat here is that Eric Koch, right? You go back to 2012. This guy is on top of the fucking world. He knocks out Rafael Sunsau in the WEC or in his UFC debut, and then he beats Jonathan Brookins, right? They offer him a title shot against Jose Aldo at UFC 149, right? Jose Aldo gets hurt. They offer him another title shot at UFC 153, but Koch got hurt. His career never recovered mm-hmm. after that. Now here's here's the interesting thing, the interesting stat there. 
Those fights were both scheduled in 2012, right? His opponent had yet to turn professional as of 2012. He had yet to start fighting fucking amateur as of 2012. He was serving in the army, Paul. Kyle Stewart was serving in the army while Eric Koch was being considered for a world title shot. Mm-hmm. But then Koch has a string of injuries. He loses his next fight to Lamas and Poirier, wins one over Rafael Oliveira, loses to Darren Crookshank, moves up, beats Shane Campbell. The fight with Clay Guida, it looked like a full-grown man wrestling, uh, you know, an infant. Like, it was, he had no ability to stuff what Clay was bringing. He had no ability to get back up. He looked completely lost. But then in his very next fight against Bobby Green, it's like, don't worry about that. He had no ability to get off on Bobby Green. It's just... You really get the feeling that's like, oh man, not good for you. Now in the UFC officially, two and two at forty-five, two and three at fifty-five. Is one seventy the solution? I, I don't mean, know, it helped man. Anthony Pettis, who yeah, also yeah. tried to get down to one forty-five. And when I think about it, I think, geez, go back to that Shane Campbell game plan. He scores two takedowns on Shane Campbell, and turns out, hey, Coke can grapple a little bit too if he's on top. If he's from his back. He's not going to submit you. He's not going to scramble and get back up. But from the top, if you scramble, he'll take your back. He can ground and pound you. He's got good elbows. Coke's not completely useless. He needs to get the fight to the ground, and he needs to be on top. But his wrestling's not elite. Who's he going to take down? God damn, Kyle Stewart. There's somebody you could potentially take down. So the long layoff, moving up a weight class, the the recency of his recent history, which has just been absolutely terrible. Why in your right mind would you go Coke? But... If we're looking to save some money, looking to take some type of punt play, Coke, 8,000, he could finish. That is a possibility. I would like to see the dog money instead of minus 105. This is how the bookie gets you. One's minus 105, one's 15. You know who wins? Bookie wins. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to get some dog money on him, but I could see going with Coke. And going back to last week's Arlovsky fight, he's on a four-fight losing streak. Like, Why would you want Arlovsky? It's just spots. You need mm-hmm. to bet him in spots. He's way faster than Ben Rothwell. He's a better counterpuncher yep. than Ben Rothwell. He can get the victory. Stewart can't wrestle. He's at an MMA lab. Yeah, only for like the last six months. He cannot wrestle. He got taken down by Chance Rencounter twice in approximately 90 seconds and then submitted. Coke's better everywhere. Better striker, better cardio, better wrestling, better grappling. It's just he's up a weight class with the layoff, with the bad performances. That's why it's so hard to be confidently say Coke, but I, I'm going to go Coke. I will say that this is the second fight on the card of the night. I broke the curse last week. Oh, did though. you? Yeah, with Batista. Mario Batista. Did you pick him? Yeah. Well, I said on the show, I was like, dude, plus 170. Like, he's the dog money. I'd like to do some more research. See, and that show was so bad, and it was so deep in the card that I didn't even remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had somebody reach out to me. They're like, I mean, the, that, that show was so bad that I... You probably zoned out by the time we were talking uh, about I was, Mario I was done. Batista. Yeah, but yeah, I was I've, done. I was, I was, I was finished at that. point. Broke the streak. Thank God. All right, let's, good. Let's th- All right, not then, start then a new whatever. One. I don't want to start a new one. Then I will not say anything except I will get us to our final fight of the night. We have Tanner the Poser Bozer. I don't know if that's his. I know his nickname's actually the Bulldozer. The Bulldozer, but Tanner the Poser. Such a Canadian term. It rhymes. Don't be a poser, bro. Um, it's a hoser. Tanner. Don't be a, don't hoser, be a hoser, hoser. Tanner the hoser, bozer. <laughs> that's, that's legit. He takes yeah, t- the hoser. Hey, you're <laughs> a hoser a there, bozer. Um, Tanner Bozer takes on Giacomo Lemos. 
Tanner Bozer, 8,500, minus 170 favorites. Lamas, 7,700 and plus 150. Low-level heavyweights. Really low-level heavyweights. Giacomo Lemos. I would love to watch this guy. Oh, my God. He looks awful. He, yeah, he's... Uh, I'll, I'll go on the record saying my favorite fighter of all times, Evangelista Cyborg Santos. This guy is Cyborg. And the game has just evolved so much since Evangelista that it's just like this is a massive throwback this guy is huge he comes at you he throws hands he's also a judo black belt in the BJJ brown belt he's got nasty judo throws is that it goes unknown a lot of the time in his fights because he's just absolutely bombing and Cardio seems to check out if you want the greatest Instagram follow check this guy possibly homeless I don't know but definitely living in some like favela in brazil where he's just like lifting cinder blocks and smashing tires with a hammer he is uh, a freak now he's got virtually no experience he's got virtually no experience at a high level first four fights in brazil last two open weight fights in korea against better competitions than he's been fighting just really fun fights but there's limitations there he should be able to come into the UFC and have a fun fight with just about anybody. The problem is, is Bozer is not a dummy. He looks like a dummy to some people because he's got a massive mullet. He's a danger cat. You know, he like uh, he's a good old Western boy, but like he's, he fights good game plans. He comes from a karate base. So being that he's now 250 pounds, he's really mobile for a heavyweight. And when you are a mobile heavyweight, you will dance around these slow plotting guys. And that's what he does. But he loves the leg kicks ball. He'll just go to the leg kicks over and over and over, and it slows guys down, and people don't like it. People don't like it because they want to see two heavyweights that are 250 and 260 pounds respectively come out there and bang. But in Bozer's case, this is the interesting note on him, is that 10 of his last 12 fights have gone to decision. His last fight was a finish, but it was in the fourth round. Plus so 170 for this fight to go to decision. Plus 170. Because it's heavyweight, right? People like... And I, and I think they, they're looking at Giacomo, who it's like he might not... It might not be he possible. He may not have three guys, three right. rounds, yeah. But Tanner Bozer went to decision with Chase Gormley. He went to decision with DJ Linderman. He went to decision with Dave Cryer. He went to decision with... Now, now this is the more interesting part. He went five rounds with Tony Lopez, Joey Yeager, and Rakeem Cleveland. Finishing is not what he does. What he does is he stays on the outside, he dances around you, and he picks away at you and scores points. Uh, that's a very manageable path to victory here. 170, I don't like, because I think low-level heavyweights making their UFC debut, first fight of the card, anything can happen. I've seen Bozer lose to worse guys than, than Lemos. Bozer got knocked out in six seconds by Tim Hag. Mm-hmm. One shot, plow right in the jaw, puts him down. Since then, he's fought in Russian grapplers. He's fought in guys that... Eh, not really known for the striking ability. If he gets hit, who says he doesn't go down? I, I I don't know. It's that Lemos is just a wild man berserker, dude. He just gets in there. He throws hands. I, I hope they keep this guy around because it's like I can only just dream of fun fights for him. But they're all like fun low-level fights for him. Yeah. Him and like Tai Tui Vasquez. Jair Zinho Rosenstrike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who probably fucks him right at the ass. Yeah. But, but but I think... I that's think what we're here for. That's what we're here for. We want to see heavyweights go out there and bang. And Tanner Bozer, maybe not so much. Now, the last thing on Tanner Bozer is just my quick little anecdote. I tried to get Tanner Bozer to fight Todd Stout. And like, I'm going to say it was like 2014. And uh, I looked at the Facebook messages today just to make sure I was going to get the, the story straight. But I was like, yo, do you want to fight on this card? And uh, he says, no, man, I'm going to, uh, I'm taking a little time off. I'm going to firefighting school. I'm going to go do this course to be a firefighter. So I'm like, oh, okay. He's fighting at 205 at the time. Then I messaged him back. I was like, how's the firefighting thing? He goes, you know what? I, I decided against it. 
four years later, motherfuckers in the UFC. So good on him. It's good to see Tanner Bozer, who's from Edmond, uh, he's not from Edmonton, he's from Bonneville, Alberta. Sure. I guess it's close on by. Yeah. Been on a lot of unified shows. It's a feel good story, but Are yeah. Are you picking the yeah. Brazilian here? Officially, let me run down and yeah, this is, I'll get to we're it. Wrapping so, it up yeah, anyway. yeah. So I'm gonna go Holloway. I'm gonna go Cyborg. I'm gonna go Jeff Neal. I'm gonna take Sarukian. I'm gonna take Jotko. I'm gonna take uh, Arroyo. I'm gonna take Dewadu. I'm gonna take very first dog. By the way, eighth fight of the card, Sungwoo Choi. I'm gonna take Pantoja. That's kind of an even money fight. Jillian Robertson, kind of an even money fight. Eric Coke. You're not even getting dog. It's again even money fight. I would love to say I didn't just take one dog, but Tanner Bozer fights the style to win this kind of matchup. So, and, and, and he's in Edmonton. They're not going to screw him on a card. If it's remotely close, they're going to give it to him. He's, he's, he's fought five rounds three times. Mm-hmm. This other guy doesn't fight more than two rounds. Mind you, Lemos has no first round knock. He has one of them. It's all second round knockouts. Like, guy has a good gas tank. And yeah. that's why maybe the play, as crazy as it sounds, just wait till live. Bet the distance or over two and a half. Yeah, I think I, I think that's the move. I really do. All right, that wraps it up for us this week. Thank you, Cody Safford, for being in studio. I know. I think we had a much better show this week. Hey, listen, by far, that's that's the benefit of having. A, it is a it's a real pa- it's a pay per view, but it's not a it's not a great pay per view by any stretch of the imagination. I don't even know if they care with uh, with it being on like ESPN Plus and stuff. There's so many different ways for people to not to get to go out of their way to not order pay-per-views these days in terms of the yeah you have to have an espn plus like imagine selling well that doesn't apply to us up here but it's like having to have like an espn plus account this is the crazy thing to me just to order a pay-per-view that just sounds like a way for a lot of these numbers on these pay-per-views to go way down you got two super fans right one guy does it by the books the other guy eh, not so much by the books one guy's a huge UFC fan. He's got ESPN Plus. He's got Fight Pass. Yeah. He's got all. He's got. He buys the pay per views, right? It's hard to consume that. The other guy, not by the books, should be harder for this guy. He's got one place to go. You can just go to one site, same site, every week, all that shit on yeah, this until, one site until Brendan Shaw ruined it. For everyone, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. kidding. And then they had to I, 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 that's one funny thing that like. Hey, listen, Br- Brendan Schaub is not my favorite guy by any stretch of the imagination. But for people to think that like he's all right, that Remember that was that him, him cool. mentioning it on uh, on Rogan's podcast about MMA uh, stream Reddit or whatever it was uh, beep, um, <laughs> whatever whatever the streaming thing on Reddit was. For people to think that that, oh, because he mentioned on that, it's just like, if you were working in the piracy department for the UFC and you didn't know about that, like, you should just be fired from your job. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, you just write, you wrote, you know, UFC streams. And it's like, that would be like one of the top results on Google. Like, I find it hard to believe. You know, know when people that like like, that, that people whose job it was to stop this or stop piracy weren't aware of it. You know, people who are like, does anybody got to stream for the fight? It's like, you could quite literally just punch that exact same thing into a Google search bar. (laughs) I'm sure they're going to, someone's going to pop up. Uh, Okay. We'll end it with a quick uh, wrap up on Brendan Shaw. I'm surprised it didn't like him. Because the time we met him, we're at a nightclub in Toronto, and motherfuckers got a Buffalo Bills tattoo, which is just the lamest thing of all time. But 
Paul Shaughnessy is a big Bills fan. Now, it really goes to show you that Brendan Schaub should never been a stand-up comedian. Stand-up comedians, they got to be witty. They got to be thoughtful. They got to be able to, you know, be quick snappy at the end of the toes right at the moment. He's macking on some girl. And I remember we were at the club. And it was like me, you, rap, somebody else. And we're like, oh, Brendan Schaub, who's the girl? And he's like, uh, uh. <laughs> she's my cousin. Now, he probably has a wife. It was macking some random girl at Toronto nightclub. I don't mind ratting on Brendan Schaub because he ratted on us in our community, man. What the fuck? Right at MMA Strings is clutch. He says, oh, she's my cousin. Thing is, yeah, but we've seen you macking on her. Now, if we were to believe you that she was your cousin, it's an even worse situation than the cheating thing. So fuck you, Brendan Schaub. <laughs> and uh, on to the next. <laughs> don't leave, uh, yeah. No minced words there from Cody Safdick. Um Hey. Yeah, you're right. You know, fuck, fuck Brendan Shaw. There you go. That wraps it up for this for us this week. Thank you, Cody Safik, bringing down the fights with me as always. Hope you guys enjoyed the show this week. I think it was much better, much more conversational, and so on and so forth. So for Cody, I'm Paul saying goodbye and good luck. Family experience. Experience.